0: And here we are. You're very welcome to a new episode of Redefining Cybersecurity here on ITSP Magazine. This is Sean Martin, your host, and I'm thrilled to have Pat Moyo on with us today. Pat, thanks for joining.
1: Hey, thank you, Sean. Thanks for having me.
0: And uh, we, we were introduced and you have a, a plethora of topics that we could dig into. We landed on the the evolution of the the CISO and the role of security in business. You uh You have the fortune of uh, working with a number of startups. You notice I didn't say good fortune, I said fortune, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which we'll we'll touch on a a bit of that, uh, the relationship uh, between cybersecurity and and the startup business and whether or not they have CISOs even, perhaps. Um, Before we get into all that, though, um, a brief word from you, Pat, uh, so folks know. Who you are how you arrived to what you're doing now and maybe a sneak peek into what that is as well
1: sure um and and this topic is interesting to me because i've, I've gotten to experience it from a bunch of different perspectives i spent the bulk of my first career well all of my first career at the National Security Agency in a variety of roles, um, starting as a cryptanalyst, ending up uh, developing security solutions and working on uh, cybersecurity research. So I've been around uh, the cyber topic from the government point of view for a very long time, also did things in computing and analytics at the agency as well. And when I left the agency, I I took a very uh, different turn and, Join Sineway Ventures, um, which is a early stage venture firm. We invest in companies in stage seed A or B. And they're companies that are trying to enable industries that have not traditionally been information driven to use information uh, effectively and safely. So cyber is a big part of our portfolio, although we also include uh, computing and analytics kinds of uh, companies in our portfolio as well. Um, And so in the, the sine wave role, I get to see CISO's in dealing with, um, you know, diligence with respect to large enterprises and what are they looking for in security products, and also see how security emerges organizationally in the startup world and and, uh, as the the company grows, when the role starts becoming an important one in those companies. So I'm actually uh, actually eager to explore this topic with you and, and see where we go with it. I love
0: it. And I'm going to take you, take you back to the government. And you, you said something that, that struck me. And uh, it's not something I've thought about in a while, but you said first career. And I remember when, when I started working a number of years ago, it was kind of the, the norm that someone would join a company and that's where they would retire from. And then about, I don't know, 10, 15 years into that role, thing, things changed. Technology took mm. off. Uh, engineers were needed everywhere and, uh, they took, they took the best offers uh, many times over and over depending on where they could get the yeah. best job. Right. And I think and there were probably other, other industries and other functions that, uh, that had similar, similar drives, if you will. But I'm just wondering first career and the reason I'm bringing this up is the role of the CISO, right. is relatively new. Uh, we've had mm-hmm. the, the opportunity to, to Chat with Steve Katz, um, known as the first CISO. And he's talked about its evolution, but it's a fairly new role. So I want to get your perspective on what the role of security looked like uh, when you are working with the government and perhaps what are some of the differences between then and now?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and I, I do think that's an intriguing place to start. So um, <sighs> When, for for one part of my career where I was actually the CIO of an element in the um, national security enterprise and um, the CISO had a very specific role interfacing with the CIO at that time. Um, there were regulations, guidance architectures that were uh, security architectures that were established um, centrally in the agencies um, mandated, Uh, requirements and controls and so on and so forth and the role of the CISO was to validate that any application was or computer installation that was being brought into the enterprise um, met those requirements and it met the regulations and it was very much a a sort of um, cop kind of role. Um, they had quite the ability to to, to stand in the way of um, various projects, but no ability to actually build any of them themselves. It was not a creative role. It was not a role where they got to design the security architecture themselves and then look for products that would make it work. It was a very um, uh, regulator kind of position. And when the position was cast that way, um, it obviously, in my mind, was was not as successful as it could be because it was immediately antagonistic, you know, to the operators, to the developers. It was they were just in the way. It was just paperwork. No one was really talking about what is the actual threat that's um, motivating uh, these requests for changes. Or what, how is the enterprise going to be better because this is done? And it became um, it, it was a very frustrating check the box. Um, kind of activity that I think was actually harmful um, to, the, to the, um, the understanding of the role of security in, in the enterprise infrastructure, and also incredibly frustrating for not only the CISO and the CIO and the, the operators. It was it was just not a role that was seen to, that was designed to provide clear value add, but it was a role, that had to be their, their opinion had to be considered. Um, contrast this with I've, I've read stuff about um, when Katz, um, you know, was the first CIO, and that role was you know to be the arc, the security architect, and that that was a much more I think creative impetus. I think the the city core people who hired him realized that security was a business imperative, and that's why that role came about. And I think the difference in the effectiveness in the CIO can um, partly be accounted for by how clearly security is seen as a business imperative rather than an end in itself. And I think um, activities that can make that clearer um, can make can empower the CISO in important ways and can improve sort of some of the, the really weird corporate dynamics that I think exist around the CISO role as it's uh, carried out today. And
0: I'm just thinking back to some of my early days. Uh, I was slinging code and then marketing code that are uh, products and solutions that end, were ending up in government agencies. And the, the, the process, and these are security products, so the process mm-hmm. to to get those solutions vetted um, mm-hmm. was a tremendous amount of work. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm just looking back at this and, and thinking – Okay, so a government agency really cares about security. You talk about the the role of, of the, the security leader, um, kind of vetting that those things are properly built and deployed and managed, right? So with the, with the right controls in place. It, it was a lot of work, but at least we knew what we were getting into. They knew what they were getting into mm-hmm. as an agency. And perhaps your thought on this, because... It, it, Back back then, there there were fewer solutions, fewer operating systems, fewer mm-hmm. business processes, perhaps, and there and so fewer, fewer vendors to worry about. And so I'm just wondering: has the scale of technology changed things? And did, we, did was there a shift where we just had to say, all right, we can't do that much due diligence, that much process, that much checks and balance. Let's just power through and, and hope for the best in some regard
1: yeah and I think again this varies at the sort of the insurance level of assurance level of the enterprise um, under consideration but certainly from the government point of view um, the it is still the case that security and accreditation that's the painful process that you were talking about is, is required of technologies and there's in mean, many many um, Tiger teams and activities to uh, rebuild the the secure the certification and accreditation process, um, ways to work through continuous certification, um, but it's still not gone, right? I mean, if you're if you're delivering a large capability to the government, this certification and accreditation process is part of the build and. Um, the fact that there's more technology is uh, certainly increased the complexity in that domain. In the commercial domain, though, the complexity is really increased by the fact that you don't have a strong regulatory statement of what's right in many of those domains, right? In, in fintech, you do, in healthcare, you do. Uh, to a certain extent, there's NIST frameworks, but they're written, well, much of this guidance is written in an implementation agnostic way. They don't want to pick winners and losers. They don't want to say use exactly this technology because a new technology might come out that they want to be open to. And so you don't even have the CISO is often left without a strong statement that says, yes, you must buy a micro segmentation technology because the guidance doesn't say you must buy a micro segmentation technology. It says you must structure your network to limit lateral movement, right? And then people have to figure out what that means and so on and so forth. Um, So um, it's a a thankless task in a lot of ways because um, there's ambiguity as to Um, what matters and there's ambiguity as to which solutions answer the questions that matter. And I think um, in my mind, a lot of this is rooted in the fact that um, security practitioners and uh, security designers don't always think about security as a business imperative, but rather as an end in itself. And that leaves them without, I think, a very good um, compass as to um, what what choices make sense, what's right in this context, um, you know there's you know you can never go wrong saying you should encrypt things. Uh, it is very secure solution, blah, 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 very well received. But there's there are performance costs, there are operational costs, there are user costs. And so you actually can go wrong um, picking something that's from a security point of view unassailable, but from an operational point of view problematic. And when you don't think about, you know, why am I protecting this? You know, how much does downtime cost me? How much does loss of PII cost me? How much does loss of intellectual property cost me? How can I make this choice in a business context? It just becomes, um, because of the amount of technology, as you said, and because of the the um, open-endedness of the regulations, it becomes a very difficult. Um, analytic problem to actually lay out what's the implementation that you need to do. And I think um, in many CISOs nowadays um, find themselves um, at a loss, right? Uh, they don't really, they don't have clear understanding from their CEO what matters and what doesn't matter and what they should protect and how much, um, you know, how restrictive can they be? And they, they rely on, you know, what, this well-respected CISO, what kind of decisions have they made? I'll I'll make similar ones and and stuff like that. It's, it's, um, it's a, a very fraught situation and it leads to a lot of bad dynamics at um, leads to the fact that you know well and I can get into a ton of these I probably should stop rambling but anyhow there's the issue like um, you bought a technology at the time it was it was it was the best choice within a short amount of time much you know say within a year a new technology comes out that's actually way more suited for your uh, needs but you just bought, this earlier technology. You don't wanna look like you don't know what you're doing. So you don't wanna go back and say, I wanna rip out this technology and put in this other one because it's better. And so you get um, you know, stasis in the architecture that, that's problematic from a security point of view. Or you make a choice because you know the network has to be secure. It turns out that in, in times of problems that makes it unavailable and you, you haven't you know, weighed those things against each other. And you know there was the Facebook outage where they were out for a number of hours because their security system locked out the guys who would come in and bring the system back up. And, and the, the CISO said, you know this was the right thing. We have to do things to be secure. But the question is, do you have to do things to be secure at the expense of being available? Um, could there have been a solution that allowed you to be both things? So um, I guess I'm kind of rambling here, but the point point is, it is a hugely complex problem and part of if we get to, you know, where where might this role um, move? How might this role evolve um, to be more successful? I think we have to untangle what are the different roles and what are the different tensions within that role um, to to see where it's best placed and whether it's even actually one role or many.
0: Yeah, and I mean, a lot of the conversations we have, here where we talk about the the growing scope and scale of of responsibility for CISO tends to be the conversations tend to be rooted in technologies right there's new Mm -hmm. technologies for business processes or new technologies for protection new technologies for monitoring and whatever and therefore we need teams, team members. Well, the CISA needs to understand kind of that big picture and then needs to staff a team that understands it all. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we can touch on that, but I also want to maybe kind of point to the business models mm-hmm. are, are driving a lot of these changes. And I don't know if that's if that's a factor here. I'm just thinking uh, the pl- platform business model, for example, or mm-hmm. um, APIs and, and open everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, banking and open health care, whatever. Pick your pick your favorite thing. So big changes like that also uh, make things a little more challenging, too.
1: Yeah. Um, and I, that's certainly the case. I mean, businesses that, um, you know, health insurance, um, you, not that long ago, you would not have web access to your health insurance records. Um, you would not get your test, your lab test results online, right? And that put um, what was usually sort of offline um, information right out there in a, a much riskier environment. And that leaves you with very, very different challenges about how you do that business uh, it, it, in an online way which is much different than how you would do it in an offline way. And I think, um, and that's where, you know, this issue of taking all the concerns kind of jointly once you've committed to being an online business, not only does that mean your security requirements have changed and your security problem is more difficult, it also means your availability becomes um, much more significant as well, right? You have to be up. Uh, people go to look for this valuable banking document. They can't find it. They um, get very anxious. They get, you know, troubled. What happened to my money if, if it's, you know, something uh, goes wrong with their their banking app? And, um, and the the balancing, uh, keeping the system up with keeping it secure, you know, you, you know, how do you pick technologies that address both those needs jointly, um, it makes the job um, one that I don't think should be done, can be done effectively by security personnel in isolation. And I think that's part of the problem with the CISO world as people began to see cybersecurity as a more important concern, um, they made it its own thing. Right. There was the security team and the implementations was were done. The technology was bought. The implementations were done by the security team rather than by the network team or the infrastructure team that deals with all the rest of the business stuff. And you get a lot of uh, integration issues um, because they weren't um, thought of. Uh, at the same time. You also buy security technology you might not need because it could be um, you know you want to keep um, your branches in the east coast from talking to your branches on the west coast and you buy firewalls and stuff to keep them apart but it could be your existing network solution could have separated those subnets in an assured way not as a security um activity but as a networking activity right a managed network controls who could talk to whom and so um i think having yanked the security um thinking out of the thinking of the business um is leading to a lot of uh, problems and uh complicates this adjusting to new business models complicates picking new technologies because I think um, when some of the other concerns are brought to bear, um, the technology choice actually becomes easier, right? Some things become uh, no-brainer, um, goods or bads. Um, if you think about, well, what's that gonna do to have my users sign on to the system? Um, if, if, I, if, if, my, if I don't have any users that are going, if I don't have a security team that's going to analyze threats, threat detection is probably not a technology I need to buy. And so um, I, part of what I think would make the CISO role easier and more effective is closer integration with engineering, with IT, with um, network, rather than moving it out to this um, you know, um, other role so that security is its own thing that, that the people who are building and running the enterprise feel they don't have any responsibility for when actually they do. And, and so
0: I'm glad, I'm glad you went there and and I don't know if we have more to say on this, but I'm just thinking about uh movements like DevOps to DevSecOps, right? Mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. security is kind of part of rather than just looking in on. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned the networking example where perhaps security and in, in the networking team would identify controls and, and procedures that that would eliminate the need for. More solutions and tools that, frankly, make things more complicated anyway. And also, mm-hmm. you talked about encryption earlier, right? Yes, encryption is great, but if you if you don't really understand it and know how to manage the keys and rotate, mm-hmm. keys, <laughs> you can end up in a worse position, right? Yeah, like th- thinking you're safe and and when you're really not. So, I don't know if you have any any experience or any insights into areas where the CISO has kind of made some of those changes beyond some of the ones or examples of some of the ones we've we've touched on here?
1: Yeah, um, oh now I'm sorry. I didn't go back through my notes. I talked to two companies that reevaluated the CISO role and decided to put the CISO closer, put the CISO in engineering, not to sort of demote him into engineering, but to have the role um, closely tied to the engineering activities, where in that enterprise the engineering is what, you know, built the code and also um maintained the, the enterprise deployment of the code. And um and they found that to be very, very successful. For one, it wasn't something security was no longer something that was being done to the engineers, or something being done by the engineers to achieve this security objective. And um, that alone was a lot of value-add. But the the, um, ability to understand the context, understand the the workflows in which the security technology has to operate, um, enabled you to CISO to make better recommendations and choices about um, what controls and solutions would would be uh, helpful Given the way that workflow is, is rolled out, rather than say he is a security technology that we like, change your workflow to accommodate it. Um, and so, um, I, it, it, there were two different enterprises that that did that um, move to to put the the so closer to engineering and IT. And in both cases, um, they were happy about that. The contrary thing is, um, you, you know, there's this whole um, risk management aspect to the CISO job, um, identifying risks, making people, and making sure that the risks of, to the enterprise are understood and correctly um, uh, evaluated as to their their impact and so on. And that role is one that maybe, that portion of the role is one that might not be appropriately done in engineering, but would be effectively done along with the risk management that addresses other types of risk, climate risk, or financial risk, or um, health—you know, health and safety risk. And then, when you're starting thinking about risk in this holistic way, where the security risk um, is contributes to your understanding of those other risks and is influenced by your understanding of the other risks, the picture becomes again um, clearer because these other uh, lenses are, are brought on it, and so. I, I mean I read a description of the CISL's role at one point that had so many things that, that they were supposed to do that you know no single human would have a brain that was good at both the high level thinking the detail oriented thinking the test specific the technical um, level of thinking the risk level of thinking nobody has that brain and, um, and and I think that we've gone to the point where we really need to see how we can break up um, the role to to put it in to put portions of it in the places where it would be most effective in the enterprise. And um, and and I think some experiments in that area are taking place and, and seem to be successful.
0: Yeah. And I think um it, it's a trend that I'm seeing and hearing. And it started with the conversation with, with uh Steve Katz. He actually said that that we'll probably end up in a in a place where we have multiple CISOs. And um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I remember having a conversation um, to your point on risk, um, I don't know if it, this pigeonholes security into risk and, and forgets some of the other things, but uh, one, of the, one of the large movie companies, they're operator so, so operated under risk and was responsible for looking at securing endpoints, securing data, and, uh, and how much risk is involved there, coupled with how much risk is involved with the stunt person getting blown up mm-hmm. and shot out of the car. On a mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So very, very different way of thinking about things. And we haven't even touched on the, so we, we've talked security, we've talked risk. We haven't, we haven't even touched on privacy yet, which is a whole nother another thing where the privacy uh, in some regards is less about protecting and more about how we can safely use, <laughs> collecting Yeah. Use which kind of goes against uh, some of the controls in some cases. And so I guess I mean I guess the bottom line is we're not going to we're not going to solve this problem today but the, there's a lot to go on the shoulders of a CISO and and presumably they either need sub CISOs or, or companies multiple CISOs or something along those lines to really get a grasp of this. Let, let's turn to some of the activities you're involved in and have seen from a smaller organization perspective, so the startups, the, the seeds, to seeds to bees, folks. Yeah. I mean, their their whole goal in life is to build something that matters and get it to market as quickly as possible, and and they they only have that that a round of runway, right? Right. And can't afford a CISO and a bunch of technologies, and until they get get some traction, and so how are you seeing some of that play out?
1: Um, it's a so, mold, as you say, um, virtually all startups, um, are in a hurry to get to market, um, need to deliver to milestones, um, that are often overambitious to begin with. Um, they don't have a lot of spare cash, and um, I think it's fairly universal that security takes a back seat. Uh, on most of their um, on most of their early build time. And you're left with the situation that the technology is largely built um, before security concerns uh, are beginning to be addressed. And then they become quite expensive to address because you didn't architect in a way that, that enables them. One thing that um, I try to do with, with um, the companies in our portfolio that I advise is to not um, and obviously, it's not the case you want to slow them down. It's not the case you want to burden them with extra costs, but they can think um, without dollars and without uh, a lot of extra time. And so think about the security that's going to be required of this. Is this. If this is a technology that is going to need to be security aware or it's going to be deployed in industries that are security sensitive, um you need to think when you architect about how you can accommodate controls even if you don't stop right now to implement those controls you have places to put them readily you've exposed your apis in ways they can be introduced with little pain later on Um, that that kind of thinking early on i think is hugely important Mostly, um, the the only security requirement that that I've seen actually ever levied on a, a startup by a customer is that they be SOC 2 compliant, and um, a lot of that is is process definition and um, and very very fundamental controls, and um, even that is sometimes considered very burdensome by by companies that are that are running fast as they can. Um, to get something out. So it is a problem um, that this security is part of what you're building from the beginning is not um, an element of the startup culture. It's very countervailing to a lot of the pressures of the startup culture. And I think that is something over time that we're going to have to address. I think, as you mentioned earlier, DevSecOps as that becomes a more standard way of operating. Um, then startup developers will begin to understand um, and 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 introduce some of those security measures um, much more readily. But I and, think and, and and
0: sorry to sorry to pause you in that they come from a larger organization where they've had yeah. A- They've yeah. Program and yeah. and you bring that knowledge with them. Yeah,
1: bring it with them. Yeah, and um, and and I think um, this puts a, a, a mandate on a mandate, but I mean I I think this means the secnic the security um, development tools, code analysis tools, um, other kinds of testing tools. Um, really need to become um, friendly and um, naturally fit into the um, DevOps workflow and right now a lot of them don't and, and and see themselves again as as something extra they're the check that happens after the code is you know at build one then when they go figure it out but it has to be you know with these rapid check-ins the security checks are made and so on so i think there'll be an evolution in um security development tooling and, and a lot of what um we look for investments specifically in that space that would enable developers that are not security persons to develop secure code. And uh, I think that's gonna be an important um, change in technology over the the future. And I think, you know, five years from now um, with the development of technologies like that, we can expect the base of code to be less messy. Um, than it currently is. Um, and, and that needs to happen because you can't, we, as, a, as, a, as a nation, as a world, we can't keep chasing vulnerabilities one after the other and attacks one after the other. We have to find ways to systemically reduce um, the problem in, the, in our code base and, and to just make things better from the get-go. Um, but, but yeah, you're right, in the, in the startup world, it is not part of the culture um, to, to worry about that. And, um, and, and we need to make it so that um, developers at, at all points in the economic uh, spectrum can have security as a sort of element of their development without great cost or, or um, without having to gain other expertise.
0: Yeah, and I—I I mean, I'm a huge champion, and people listen to the show probably uh, think I'm a robot, and on this point, <laughs> just repeating the same thing over and over. But I—I I truly and firmly believe that if you can define what you're building with security in mind, not not mm-hmm. only will it be more secure from the beginning, but perhaps mm-hmm. you can eliminate the need for a bunch of the the, the controls required. Yeah. To, to fill the gaps later so if you're yep. not if you're not doing some transactions a certain way you don't have to monitor them to look for yep. fraud. right right <laughs> right right um right. or if, if they're not making that network connection over this port uh, uh, using this uh this uh, channel or whatever then you don't have to actually monitor that or put firewalls in place or, yep. or have you so I, know and I think we all oh, go ahead yeah
1: no, please continue. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut. Well, oh no, no, I was just, I was just
0: thinking that the, the we were kind of talking about the, the the startup here, but this is true for for any size business, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I think there's an opportunity there. And so I was, I guess my point, yeah. and maybe question to you is how how does a CISO go about kind of getting that mindset if if you yeah. You know,
1: and um, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I do think thinking about um, your code, uh, in my mind, it actually comes down to a measure of elegance. Um, if you think about what you're doing, and do what needs to be done, and nothing else, and have this elegant uh, code structure, and rather than this sort of Byzantine thing where you just throw a bunch of stuff, you know, you, you, I'm sure you've seen code that you know, what the kind of code I'm alluding to, um, I think you are better off. You can secure well thought through code more easily than you can secure thrown together code. The point is now, is it how can the CISO instill that? And I think the CISO as, as um, configured now can't, right? Because the CISO is just so far removed from the development process that his or her voice is not heard in that domain. And they are thought as not understanding Um, what it takes to be a developer I think the um, you know part of this this mindset needs to come you know in in, um, programming education but I think the um, engineering leadership needs to um, instill that in, in people I think there needs to be a and maybe the the you know maybe if the CISO is moved closer to engineering, then then that will be easier to happen. Um, but it can't come from outside. It can't be, uh, I mean, that's why people say, oh, well the government should just tell people what to do. I mean, if, if somebody just tells you what to do um, uh, without without you actually understanding why it matters in your context, it, it's it's not going to work. And I think the CISO has been crippled um, in in dealing with developers we have a couple of companies that have to sell i mean and as said we're interested in, in you know secure tools that help secure the development environment well who do you sell that to right the ciso obviously sees the need but the engineering guy has to buy it and deploy it in his process and that Complex sale crossing departments has been the death of several startups, um, it, because it's it's the 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 work the, the the enterprise is not set up with security as a sort of cross cutting concern for all departments. It puts security in a department and then everybody else, and um, that really causes um, some serious problems and makes it very very difficult. For the the CISO to have a voice um, in developer practice, development mindset, anything like that.
0: Yeah, and I could I could easily follow you down that uh, that path of of products built to fit in, right? So security products from vendors built to fit into the engineering workflows. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go the other direction though, and so not just the CISO pairing and integrating and becoming one with engineering, but product management, maybe uh, the the team that actually Mm -hmm. defines things. and Mm -hmm. Perhaps before that, um, I can go to architect Mm -hmm. as another level. I can go to Mm -hmm. strategist Mm -hmm. as one, and I don't know if that's the CEO in many cases or some companies have their own dedicated strategists, but those are the big thinkers saying we need to transition from this uh, single license to, this isn't happening anymore, but from licensed software to subscription, right? Um, mm. Somebody think about that, that changed many years ago. Um, transition to the cloud, transition to platform engineering, transition to whatever. Uh, how does a CISO, can a CISO <laughs> get, get connected at that level?
1: Um, I think it, I think as currently defined, it's problematic. But I think that to your point, the, sooner in the ideation process, the system is engaged, the better, right? It should be at strategy. It should be at architecture. There's choices you can make, you know, go to the cloud or not. The business period to go to the cloud is strong. Okay, we're going to go to the cloud. We need to know, that we're introducing these additional risks, and we need to go to the cloud in a way that mitigates that, right? And that's not if you if you have that from the get-go in your analysis of your move to the cloud, it's not difficult, and it's not an you know added expense. It won't slow you down. It will just help you make choices that move you to the cloud in a more secure way. If instead you move to the cloud and say, "Oh, damn, now we have to secure." Um, now you have to have technologies that you add on, that you have to make sure they integrate with this, that, and the other thing. Um, and, um, and the problem is more difficult to do uh, the later in the process that, that you, you try to make the solution. Um, and so um, I think the ideal place for the CISO to operate is the architect level. Um, the business decides, you know, it has these imperatives. It wants to make these large strategic moves. Now we need to figure out how, and the CISO needs to have a strong voice in the how, um, before any of the movement to build that happens. Um, and I think that's where the CISO could be truly effective. I don't think, um, I don't think, in many enterprises that is the role they're playing. And, um, you know, i part of this, you know, earlier on you talked about first career, second career. One of the things that I, I think is interesting is to, to how the CISO role developed in this kind of awkward way. Um, there, early on, there were not a whole lot of security practitioners available in the marketplace. And a lot of the people that were hired as the first CISOs were um, retired military who had filled that role or had filled other policy roles in the military. And that brought with it a mindset um, that's different than let's make security an enabler. Let's make security satisfy our business imperatives. And, um, and that got kind of entrenched in the thinking for a very long time. And, and I think, um, we need to kind of, um, work through, um, the, the, the bad image of the, the CISO as a, um, a uh, check-the-box guy or a regulator kind of guy, and move towards the image of the CISO as an enabler, a designer, a, an architect.
0: Yep, I, I love it. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm thinking back to uh, the perimeter. Everything is about the perimeter before. <laughs> yeah, around, exactly. Uh, around the exactly. same time that this role uh, mm-hmm. came to fruition. Yeah, so a lot has changed. Um, much more to to change moving forward. And I mean, we're already at four minutes. I don't know how time flew so fast. We must be having fun, Pat.
1: Oh, yeah, really?
0: (laughs) (laughs) But um, this this is a great conversation. I'd I'd love to keep chatting with you. Maybe you come back and and we can uh, peel the onion on some other other topics or take this one further. I'm going to put a call out because a lot of these conversations are, at least in my mind, theoretical. Um, Mm. And I don't know. Somebody has to have kind of to your your two examples of the CISO connecting at the engineering CISO connecting at the IT level. Uh, there have to be CISOs who've who've actually done these transitions.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I'd love
0: to hear from them. Maybe I don't know if you know somebody we can we can bring them back on. If anybody else wants to join me, we can we can dig into some of those stories as well. Um, but Pat, this is. It's been fantastic. I appreciate uh, you joining me here today. And any final thoughts uh, for the listeners before we? Um,
1: no, I, no, I think this uh, this was a good conversation. I thank you for having me. and sorry if I ran on a bit on some of these things. But I tend to get passionate about some of these <laughs> issues and uh, happy to come back if it makes sense for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes the, uh, the the extra few words are where the nuggets are. So uh, I, th- I think mm-hmm. we, we uncovered a few here, at least. Kind of to your point, uh, your advice to to your startups, think. That's yeah. uh, That's my main objective of exactly. the show as well. Think yeah. about what you're doing. You may not have the answer, but if you think about it, you might have a better chance of finding it. At least. Exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: All right. So, well, pa- yeah. Pat, thanks so much for... Uh, for joining me today, thanks everybody for listening and watching this show, and uh, we'll catch you on the next redefining cybersecurity. you on ITSP Magazine.